CBD FX's CBD products are formulated to boost overall wellness and deliver calm vibes for daytime and nighttime use. CBD FX uses only organically grown hemp and all natural ingredients. CBD FX's best selling line of CBD products features wellness boosting CBD and legal Delta 9 THC gummies, oil tinctures, capsules, pens, and other products. Visit CBDFX.com today and use code Genius to get 25% off site wide plus a free CBD bath bomb with your first purchase. The code is GENIUS, G-E-N-I-U-S. Don't miss this special 25% off offer for Finding Genius listeners, only at cbdfx.com. Offer expires August 31st, 2023. Feel the difference with CBDFX. Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. I have uh, Andrew Daniel. He's an award-winning author, uh, spiritual teacher, and a director at the Center for Cinesomatic Development, which I'll ask him what that is. Cinesomatics looks to be a trademark term, so we're going to get into that shortly, and we may also talk about his latest book, Awaken to Your True Self. He was the recipient of the 2022 Gold Nautilus Book Award. So his new guide helps uh, self-aware entrepreneurs, artists, professionals, and other leaders break through uh, being stuck and to wake up. So we'll get into what that means as well. So Andrew, thank you for coming. Thanks for having me, Rich. Yeah, if you would, uh, just tell me a bit about your background before you wrote the books and before you got into the, you know, the, the role you're playing right now. Yeah, so my background actually was in software and design. I started off at about 14 years old getting into web design and computers, building computers, hardware. So I was always very curious, and I spent a lot of time alone. I didn't have a lot of friends growing up, and so playing video games and working on computers and getting into that stuff was a, it was a pretty good fit. And so by the time I was about 18 years old, I started my first company, and I wrote a piece of software that was a particle effects and physics engine that created... Now, there was a software for places like Sony Pictures, Samsung, Walmart, Disney, these kind of places to create uh, special effects in their online games and videos. And so I wrote that software about 18 years old, and I ran that company for about seven years until the industry changed. And during that time, as I said before, I didn't have a lot of friends because uh, I was bullied and teased a lot as a kid. And so that led me to having some social issues and some confidence issues and some trauma, some things to, to deal with as an adult. And as I was building my software company, that was my first time in entrepreneurship. My family weren't entrepreneurs. It was a whole brand new thing for me. And this was in the mid-2000s. So it wasn't like it is now where everybody has an online business and doing this sort of stuff. Right. And so it was really struggle. It, I struggled a lot. I had to learn a lot. And so that was one of the things that got me into personal development, reading some of the classic books, business books, entrepreneurial books. I was into philosophy. I was into quantum physics. 
I mean, I was just learning everything. And during that journey, what ended up happening was uh, I was running the software company. I was behind a computer screen. I was really nerdy, anime, video games, Dungeons and Dragons, Star Wars, you know, Lord of the Rings, the whole thing. And that was my life for a while uh, until I started doing some of this therapeutic work. And I realized there was a huge connection between the life that was happening inside of me, all of these let's say, limiting beliefs and some of these traumas that actually affected my business, that actually affected my work. And so I started going down that route of personal development and transformation. And after years of doing that, I made that transition between software and running a tech business into doing more of the therapeutic work. What does that mean, therapeutic? What did you do? So rather than only focusing on personal development stuff, business development, leadership stuff. It was about healing. So it wasn't just enough for me to learn strategies and techniques to talk to people better, to build teams better, to talk to women or to like myself. There was a lot of stuff underneath me just not knowing behaviors and strategies. And that was the therapy. That was actually going inside myself, the mindfulness, the self-awareness to say, what's really happening? Why am I not confident? Why am I afraid of this? And actually facing all of those things and working on it. Okay. So what kind of issues do you help other people with once you had uh, worked on your own? Did you do, did you do coaching? Like what, what did you do for other people? To help? Yeah. So right now what I do is what you actually said in the beginning, the cinesomatics. So basically, what I do now is something very, very different than everything else out there. Instead of just talking with people, traditional talk therapy, coaching people, I use very high-tech cinema equipment to record their movements. So I actually film people moving in their body and then reveal and reflect back to them all of these subconscious patterns, the subconscious hidden blocks the blind spots that hold them back in their life. And so I play that video back for them so they get to see for themselves what's happening. It's not some guru or some doctor who has an opinion. It's them seeing themselves on screen doing whatever it is. And that could be anything from childhood trauma to self-sabotaging in their relationships, to why they can't get past, let's say, $10 million a year in their business. All of that stuff gets revealed through the way that they move their body. What do you mean? Like, so people are doing movement work and that helps them resolve problems? Or I don't understand. Were they watching something on a screen? Yeah, so we have people move. So let's say, for example, one of the things that I do is someone comes in and let's say they're struggling with making money. And I say, all right, well, what does making money look like with your body? So don't tell me about it because a lot of people have an idea. Like if I said, are you a good person? Most people are going to say, yes. Are you loving? Yes. Well, do you have the love and the kindness that you expect in your life? Well, some people are going to say no. So we got to see what is that about? Why are you not getting the results that match your actions and belief about yourself? And so what I do is I say, well, show that to me in the body. Don't talk about it. Actions speak louder than words. So we're not going to talk about it for five months and you know, have you manipulate and just run around in circles with words, talking about it. Let's actually get you up and moving in your body. So I'll say, well, show me making money. What does that look like in your body? And then I'll film it. Then we play that video back and then they can watch themselves 
doing that movement, doing that making money in their body, and I give them feedback about what I see. And in the way they move in their body about making money reveals all this stuff about how they actually do that practically in their life. So what does that look like? Like, What's an example of you know someone that's done this? What, what does that look like? Yeah. All right. So a really good example is I'll say, show me making money. And they just stand there for two minutes and do nothing. Every single person I've seen that has done that struggles to pay their bills. I've never seen a millionaire or someone that's successful in their job or career that's making a lot of money just stand there and do nothing for two whole minutes. So if you've ever been in front of a camera, it it feels like eons. Two minutes is a long time to stand in front of a camera and do nothing. And so what that reveals is that person is out of relationship to that concept of making money. If you had a truck at home and I said, well, tell me about trucks. Well, you'd say, all right, the steering wheel, the wheels, the, the truck bed, the doors, you'd be able to really tell me all these details about a truck. But if I said, tell me about a hookah shabab, be like, what the hell is a hookah shabab? I don't know. I don't know what that is. You, you don't know how to describe it. You don't know how to relate to that because you don't have that reference point. So people come in and they don't have a reference point for making a lot of money. And so they can't show it. And so what we do from there is say, well, look at this. This tells us you're struggling making money because you don't know what that looks like. It's really hard to achieve your goals and dreams if you don't know what they look like. And the same is true with anything uh, in this work. CBD effects, full spectrum and broad spectrum CBD products are formulated to boost overall wellness and deliver calm vibes for daytime and nighttime use. CBD effects is offering our listeners an exclusive 25% off, which I think is very generous, plus a free CBD bath bomb with your first purchase when you use the code genius. Don't miss this special 25% off offer. For Finding Genius listeners, only at cbdfx.com. Offer expires August 31st, 2023. Feel the difference with CBDFX. Okay, so, I mean, you take people through a visualization of a particular goal or a dream, and then what, you, they visualize themselves on a screen doing it, or do you actually film them? Or Yeah, we actually film them. We film them, and they don't imagine it. They play it out in their body through movement. Hmm, Okay. What's an example of that? Well, let's say somebody wants to... Here's a good one. I have a client, a musician. This is one of the first ones I did. And I said, all right, you're a musician. You know, what's what's the dream for that? Probably a Grammy, right? And so I said, all right, well, what does that look like? Show me, you know, play in your body, actually get up and walk around. And imagine I was an alien that didn't speak English, and you had to just use your body, kind of like charades, to show me what that looked like. And so I would say, all right, show me what it's like to have a Grammy. And this particular client started doing that. And what they showed, what they actually, the movement that they actually conveyed was searching. So they were looking around for something. That's what it looked like. You know how when you play charades, you're trying to guess what the word is, it's very similar to this. I'm watching the client and I'm feeling how they're demonstrating this thing that they want. And so this person was struggling for decades about his career in music. And it made sense because he wasn't actually showing having a Grammy. He was showing searching for it. And if your goal is to search for something, well, guess what? You're going to get searching. If your goal is to have it, you're going to have it. So, you, okay. So what? Some people's goals, they don't realize they're their goal is I'm going to 
I'm going to try to find this or I'm going to try to do that. And instead they need to say, uh, I'm going to have this in the next six months or year. And do they describe how they're going to do it? I'm just not clear on what's the difference. The difference is that it's done through the body rather than talking about it. Okay. So what would that look like? What is an example? I know we're an audio. I don't know if you can describe, you know, what that would look like. Well, so for example, one of the very basic things I do is giving and receiving. And this has to do with everything in life. We give and receive all the time. Love, affection, money, products, items, whatever it is. So if you're listening to this, one thing, you could do this even right now. In your body, take your hands and without speaking about it, show giving. So chances are what chances are what happens is we put our hands and arms out in front of us. Mm. That's what that, I did, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now, imagine if I said giving, and instead of doing that, you pulled your hands into you down and hid them. That mm. doesn't that doesn't look like giving, right? It looks like taking. Yeah. So now imagine you're living your life and those are flipped. Imagine you're living your life and every time you give, what you're actually doing is taking. You're going to be really confused. You're going to really struggle in your life. Mm. And then so what we would do is help them reverse that to show, hey, did you realize that's what you're doing? And they're like, oh, my God, that's completely the opposite. And then we actually get them to switch that. And then the, their whole life around that changes. And you can apply that to making money, to love, to intimacy, to the career you want, whatever it is. How do people know that they're doing that? They discover that while they're doing this movement. Oh, my God, I'm, I was doing this or that. Or, you know, how does it manifest for them? Yeah, it's either that or, like I said earlier, we have the video. So when we play the video back, we're watching them and they get to see themselves. Oh, my gosh, my hands are coming into me rather than going out to somebody else. That's the complete backward. Okay. So, the, yeah, they get they to see it for themselves. They're doing this. So they do it on screen like subconsciously. They don't even realize they're doing it. Exactly. Yes. And then so and then so me as a facilitator and having the video is that evidence. So there's not, you know, this is not woo-woo. There's no belief systems about this. You know, there's, you don't have to do any of that. It's results-based. You literally get to see yourself on video in your body doing these things. That's how we can prove it. That's how most of us are in our head about these things. We have concepts and images about ourselves. This stuff makes it real. And it's not trusting a me or a guru or a doctor or an expert. It's you literally seeing this for yourself on screen of your own movement in your own body. How often are people surprised when they see what they do? Uh, very often. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Well, what are, yeah, what are some of the common problems people have? What are some of the common motions? Like the giving one, is that a very common one where, you know, people, instead of reaching out, they'll, they'll kind of reach down in a way? Yeah, that could be one. Uh, one I see a lot when I say, show me making money. What they'll do is this... Um, making it rain kind of movement. I don't know if you know what I mean, but it's like having a stack of bills on your hand and you're just like right. throwing them off. A lot of people do that, uh, which is very interesting because that's not making money. Right. Yeah, that's not making money. So you say that's weird because to you, that probably doesn't look like making money. It probably looks like you're wasting it. You're throwing it away. Well, I pictured handing someone something and then handing me back the money. I've sold them something and that's how I made the money. That's what, when you said that, that's what I thought. Yes. So, Rich, here's the thing. Everybody does this differently. So yours, that's going to be functional. That's going to be accurate. For other people who are making it rain, they struggle with making money. 
they chances are they waste the money as soon as it comes in or they're trying to show off to people. Hmm. How soon after you do this do you um, show them what they did? Is it like immediate feedback or how does it work? Yeah, so generally we get on a call or they come into a group and they'll do the movements. The movements take just a few minutes. It's a very, very fast process. So we have people do the movements for, let's say, five minutes. Then after they move, we have them sit down and we bring up the footage. So it's very quick. Most of the time is spent afterwards reviewing the footage. Yeah, what what are people's reactions when they see themselves? Like, do you, do you tell them right away, hey, look, you did this? Or do you let them watch it once and say nothing and see what they have to say? Like, what happens? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Well, in the first session, I give them the instructions and have them do all of the movements. Then I give them feedback as we're watching the video. After that, sometimes I give them feedback while they're doing the movements to help them find a more functional way so they can adjust in real time. But when some someone comes to me for the first time, we want that baseline. I don't want them to be influenced by me. I want to see how they live their life. And then when we're reviewing the footage, I'm giving them feedback as we go along. So we'll spend five minutes of movement, and then it's like an hour of reviewing that footage. And we stop the footage, we rewind it, we, we play this back, slow motion, fast speed. And as we do that, uh, more and more stuff gets revealed to them. What, the, what is their reaction um, the first time you show them, the first time they watch themselves? Do they know it before you even show them? Oh, it is so different. I, I mean, I've worked with people that everywhere from you know, famous people making hundreds of millions of dollars to people that can't afford rent. And the scale between that is infinite. So some people realize it. The people that have great self-awareness realize it as they're doing it. So maybe as they're bringing their hands in, when they think they're giving, they're like, oh my God, this looks completely backward. We also have folks that have a lot of, I would call shadow material. And this is, this is the pain. This is the ugliness. This is the trauma. This is all of the stuff that we don't want to look at and feel in ourselves. And so when someone comes on and it's like, all right, well, you think you're giving, but what you're actually doing is manipulating. What you're actually doing is seducing. What you're actually doing is martyring yourself. And so when people hear some of that stuff, they don't always receive it very well because it's very well, confronting. When you say it, though, you say and show the look. Over yes. here, see what you were doing, and then yes. so they do they still get just as defensive as if you just told them verbally, or do they do they get more defensive? They know you got them, or like what kind of reactions do you get? Yeah, it's an it's another great question. Again, it varies from. I got had at least one good question. <laughs> yeah, it's so the video. Here's the thing with the video: the video gives them the evidence. So when you see yourself, let's say, manipulating somebody. And you don't realize you're doing it, but you have somebody and then you have video evidence showing it. Well, you have a few options. You could fight it. You could get defensive. You could try to justify it. You could uh, be in denial of it, or you could accept it and say, oh my God, I had no idea. This feels like crap, but I see it for myself. Yeah. I see exactly what you're saying, Andrew. This is me on the video. It looks very manipulative. Wow. This is tough. So the video- What does manipulation look like, by the way? Oh, well, it's one of those things where you, you have to see it. But so imagine giving, imagine, let's say you put your hands out to give, but you're like slowly wiggling your fingers. You know, it's kind of like that come hither motion or something. So that may be an example of 
manipulating, right? You're handing something, but you're like subtly asking, you know, you're subtly wanting something in return. So it's very, oh, wow. very subtle process. Yeah. Oh, huh. so when people see this, like some are horrified. Yes. Some are in denial. <laughs> it uh, can be very confronting. I mean, these are things, and I have to tell the truth, and sometimes people don't want to hear it. A lot of times people come in and they want to hear all this great stuff about themselves. And if there's great stuff, I say it. I'm like, well, this is wonderful. You're very gracious. You're very generous. But if they're being narcissistic, if they're being manipulative, if they have shame and guilt or anger or whatever it is, all the spectrums of emotions, all the spectrums of issues that might be going on for somebody, it gets revealed. Now, not all at once, right? We have specific exercises and, and movements that reveal certain things. But yeah, it can be very, very confronting seeing things that we've spent decades of our life trying to fix or deny or suppress. Well, what are the um, the top reasons people tell you that they're coming to you for help? And then after that, what are the top issues you see that people have like uh what they think they're coming for versus what's actually there right do they line up and what is the most frequent ones i would say lining up i would say most people come in thinking it's one thing and they see something completely different and it and it's usually because if they knew what was wrong uh they wouldn't <laughs> they wouldn't need it so what they think is going on with them usually is not what i see it's usually a lot deeper and then what was the second question? The, oh, what's the most frequent? Well, what, what is, first of all, what do they what do they tell you they want help with before you even see them? What's the re, what's like common reasons that people tell you they want to see you? Well, mostly because of my book, I work with people that have done a lot of this, a lot of personal development, self help work already. So it tends to be a lot of people who have done a lot of stuff and are still stuck. So we have relationship issues whether it's finding a partner or having conflicts with their partner, a lot of stuff with money. There tends to be a lot of people that struggle making money. And again, all of this stuff is stuff I've struggled with, which is why I was able to write a book about it. But money stuff, as I gave you that example, money, uh, whatever their family stuff, so their relationships with their parents are actually ones that they don't ask for, but tends to everybody have. So that would be another example of that. Their careers, right? They're, they're stuck. They've hit a sort of glass ceiling or a plateau. Their relationships aren't working, their intimacy, things around their sex life. It's pretty much the whole gamut of stuff. But the reoccurring themes that I've seen are people that don't want to feel. That's probably one of the biggest ones. People that are just analytical, everything's facts, figures, and reasons, and they've judged emotions. And so they want to do a pseudo, a fake stoicism, and they can't feel. And that that ruins almost all of their relationships. Huh. Well, people have been hurt before, so they decide I'm not going to let anything hurt me. And exactly. Therefore, I'm going to not feel. Yep, exactly. Well, what does that look like in the motion work? One of the biggest signs. So just imagine we are facing each other and we're making eye contact, right? Eye to eye. Being in my head is if I start looking up and my head tilts back and I'm looking towards the sky. So that's a pretty good indicator that, that someone's in their head rather than in their body. Another good indicator is a, a fluttering of eyelids. When people start really fluttering their eyelids, what they're doing, imagine the eye is a sensor. And imagine you keep interrupting that sensor. You're going to get less and less data. And so when people are doing this high level of fluttering, not always, 
But oftentimes that's showing that they're trying to throttle some feeling they don't want to feel. Something's overwhelming them emotionally and they're they're trying to stop that sensor as much as possible. So those are two examples. Hmm. Okay. So what are the most common things you see that are uh, hidden problems in people? And what will you see on screen that tells you, oh, I've seen that many times, and that means this. Well, those two I just gave are really common. Another one actually was the money thing where either people... So if someone stands there, if I say, show me something. So if I say, show me receiving, and you take 30 seconds to a minute doing it, that tells me you don't have a... don't have great relationship with that concept. And what I mean by that is, it's like the example before, if you live in a household where you never got affection, and I said, show me affection, probably just stand, you wouldn't know what that looked like. You know, if I said, show me solving a problem, but your parents did everything for you, probably wouldn't have that reference point inside. And so the time it takes for somebody to show something tells me if that's something they really know well or not well you mean like it'll take them a long time to show you something that should be quick and effortless exactly right for for somebody that was in relationship with that concept if they go to show it they know it instantly it's like that truck example if you've owned trucks your whole life and i say tell me about trucks you'd be like but if i said tell me about flutes and you've never seen a flute before you'd be like um right so now imagine those weren't objects but those were things in your life like intimacy love your needs solving problems making money things that actually affect everything in your life so when you ask people to do a certain movement like show giving on on the camera do you notice the first thing is like a lot of people will like some people will just do it automatically without thinking but some people i guess will sit there and think about it for a second and do it but it's a contrived motion. Like, do you see that? Or like, what, what signals do you see that something's going on with a particular activity? Yeah, the signals. So like I said, the, the time it takes. Also, if they're in their head. So if they look up to the sky, they're doing that kind of thing. Again, these are just, all of this stuff is very subtle. These are just kind of stereotypical examples. That's one, when they're faking it, they kind of put on this mask and this is where things start getting a lot more subtle. Have you ever just been around someone and you're like, they're fake, but you can't really point to the thing? There's there's stuff like that where... It's called, it's called Los Angeles. <laughs> yes, and I lived there for far too many years. Well, I noticed when I was there a few times, you know, people will, will talk to you and then they'll look past you, like to, to look for someone better to speak to. And I was like, wow, this is a really mercenary culture. It's, it's like very obvious. Not everybody, I yeah, I met a number of people that that's how they were. So, you know, just obvious that they were like, you know, evaluating you to see if they can get something out of you. If not, they move on. So anyway, Rich, that's what I noticed. Yeah, no, Rich, that's, that's exactly it. And so these are the things that I pick up on the call. So if we could just use that example, I would say, you know, show me connecting to somebody. And if they stand up and they're on the video, and instead of making eye contact with me, it looks like they're looking over someone's shoulders for someone behind them, that could pro not always, but that could reveal exactly what you said. I would say, say, you know, show me connecting with other people. And this is this is around narcissism. So I say, all right, show me, move around the space in your body. Don't talk about this, you know, because a narcissist isn't going to say he's narcissistic, right? So I say, show me this in your body. Show me being generous. Show me connecting for real with other people. 
And sometimes, kind of like in your imagination, you can, when you see somebody move, you can sort of imagine they're talking to somebody or not. Uh, you can, if someone's holding their hands in front of their face, maybe they're talking to a book or something. But you can, you can visualize through their physical movements if there's other people there. Oftentimes with these narcissists is that you'll see that there's nobody there in the space. They're all by themselves. They're isolated. And they're just pretending. You know, there, there's really nobody there. It's like listening to somebody talk. Have you ever listened to somebody talk and they're talking for 10 minutes and you're like, you just said a bunch of nothing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of what's going on is that they're doing stuff. But there's nothing real in it. And we all have this gut sense of if someone's bullshitting us, if somebody wants something from us. So what this work does with the video and the movement, it shows them that. Uh, and as you can imagine, those kind of people don't necessarily like to see that they are doing what you said. Have you had people like verbally attack you when you show them this stuff? Oh, yeah. Really react super strongly? Like what's happening? I know it's not a nice memory, but. Was there um, a reaction or two? You're like, oh my, what the, she calm down, you know, or something like that. Yeah, well, often um, I had one guy probably was the most belligerent. He was arguing with everything I said. I would literally show him the stuff on video, right? So you get the proof. So like, dude, I'm not attacking you. I'm just telling you this is what you're doing. And here's the video. Here's the evidence. And he's just yelling at me. He just starts attacking me and getting defensive. And I said, stop. It's like, you, you, you have to stop. Stop talking. Like, literally, I had to tell him for five minutes, you know, to knock it off because he was so triggered. He was so defensive about what he was seeing that he just went nuts. Luckily, it was over Zoom. So it wasn't a person because he got violent. So that's one example. That's very and He started, weird. like, smashing things in his own room. No, he started getting in front of the camera, the webcam, and yelling at me and, you know, just verbally attacking me and stuff like that. On the other side, one of my best clients on our first call, basically, he came out and said, I, I want to kill you right now. Literally, he's like, I wanted to reach, I want to reach through the camera and strangle you. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> yeah. And so I have to be, as a facilitator, I can't take it personally. Right. I, it's not about me. It's their anger. Right. And so if I get reactive to it, it doesn't help them. And so I'm just like, yes, I understand. Yeah. OK. Yes. You want to kill me? Great. Awesome. Well, what's underneath that? Why are you so angry that I showed you that you don't want to be loved? Well, it just, you know, it just makes people go great. You know, all of this suppressed stuff, you know, their parents abandoned them, whatever it is. All this stuff comes to the surface and they've spent 30, 40, 50 years suppressing it. But guess what? It's still there. So the good news is, actually on my YouTube channel, I have an interview with him. He ended up working me, with me for six months. And at the end of it, he's literally saying, I love you. <laughs> uh, I'm so grateful you changed my life. So this is someone who was so skeptical and literally wanted to kill me. Literally telling me that. And you could see how well, pissed he was. I love you, but I have to kill you. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. What a transformation. So so he was okay with you, um, you know, showing the journey and the, the before and after responses or like, how did you put it on your YouTube channel? Yeah. So I just asked him, I said, hey, do you want to do an interview and where we go over your before and after the first session and the last ones? And, he's, and he said, yeah, you know, because these people, they're so this was a guy who worked in Silicon Valley. He had a startup and this, this process literally saved his entire business because I went wow. in and worked with some of his coworkers. 
You know, I go into businesses and see these interpersonal dynamics that come out. So yeah, so we just, uh, I have about three or four of those where my long-term clients, they, you know, they're like, this changed my life. I, I've made hundreds of thousands of dollars. I have relationships and they, they want to help other people. And so we get on an interview. They're about an hour and a half long and they just share where they came from, all the stuff they struggled with, what changed for them, what they've learned from them. So they're not just testimonials. They actually have a lot of value because they're teaching, they're sharing what they've learned. And then near the end, we bring up some of their first footage and then their last footage. And if you look at these testimonials, I mean, the thumbnails, just these before and afters, it's really remarkable. You know, people that were filled with so much self-hatred and anger, their, their physical, Rich, their physical body literally changes. All of this weight and baggage from their face is gone. And there's, it, it's almost like they had a facelift because this, this, this anger, I mean, you've seen people, you've seen, if you've seen an 80 year old, you could see two 80 year olds and one has this perma scowl and the other has like a perma smile. Those two people have lived completely different lives and responded to it differently. And so what happens is that perma scowl person, if he starts resolving this trauma, it's actually going to lighten all of that stuff up. Um, I'm I'm from New York. (laughs) You make it. I don't live there anymore because of this, actually. But if you make it to like 40 and up in New York, usually you're a miserable wretch. So that's why I had to leave my family and stuff. It was just. Yeah, it's funny. I look at my driver's license picture. It's still the old one from New York, and I look like really miserable. And then now mine looks much better than I live in Texas. So I, I saw that at least in myself. But, yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. You're spot on. I had to move from L.A. too because I was getting caught up in the narcissism. And I'll be the first to admit it. Everything I help, I talk about in my book, I've been in it. I was homeless twice. I was, really? yes, I was living in my car. In L.A., in Venice Beach, luckily not on Skid Row. I had a car. This was after my software company. So I was published. I had the software company, and then I was homeless. That's how I got into this because I was so confused. And so you can imagine how this could clear that confusion because I would see myself on video, and I'm like, oh, my God. I thought I was one way, but this movement is showing me something completely different. So this helped me out of homelessness. I literally went from—I know it sounds like this rag-to-riches story. It's cliché. But it's true. I went from literally sleeping in my car in Venice to making hundreds of thousands of dollars to having a best-selling award-winning book, you know, to helping tens of thousands of people. It's because I went through that process myself. Like I've been in it. And so when I work with clients, I have compassion because I've been there. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to feel like we need to manipulate to get our needs met. I know what it's like to abandon ourselves in order to have love or approval. I know what it's like to do these things and I can see it in people. And so one of the the really, one of the feedback I get the most is that it's clients feel very comfortable because I'm not judging them. Because imagine you go to somebody and you say, these are all of the worst parts about myself. Right. Uh, it, it's, it's very vulnerable and you can't do this if you're judging people. So I don't project my stuff onto them. I just provide the space for them to discover this stuff in themselves. And- so I've been caught up in this stuff. And just like you, I was like, man, this isn't working. Like, I can't get this to work. And I started realizing what you said. I was like, oh, who can help me? How can the person I'm with advance me? And I got sick. I was like, that is disgusting. I can't believe I became this person. So I left. So I moved and I had to restart my life out in the country. 
literally, to get away from all of that. And that gave me the space to see, oh my God, I got caught up just like everyone else. Did you come up with Cinesthetic Movement or did you learn it from some ancient master on top of a mountain? Or did you <laughs> A little bit of both. So I had a mentor who sort of originally pioneered uh, some of this movement and video stuff. And I worked with him for about three. Well, I, I worked with him in the business as a CTO for three years, but worked doing his therapy work for about five years. And so that's where I first came across this. But then he passed and I sort of took the torch and I came up. So Cinesomatics is mine. It is it's my trademark. Uh, it's my process. And I took everything I learned from him and everything I learned from uh, other philosophers, other approaches, and I've advanced it, made it my own. I brought in the cinema gear. I discovered the archetypes. So I, I absolutely stand on the shoulder of giants. You know, I've studied Freud, Jung, all the psychology stuff. I've studied a lot of philosophy, psychology, different healing arts, sciences. I was in programming, all of these things, and they've all came together. Uh, everything I learned in technology allowed me to understand the video component. So it's been a, a synthesis of all of the things I've learned. And about two years ago, I formalized it. I wrote my book and formalized Cinesomatics. And since then, I've been working uh, with clients one-on-one -on -one in privates and groups, workshops, retreats, and through the book, sharing this process and what I've learned. So you got mentorship and then the person did the process with you and that's how you learned it. And helped yourself, or did you discover it on your own and then contact, you know, the person that uh, that came up with it? Like, how did you first interact with Cinesomatics? Yeah, so my first interaction was before Cinesomatics. It was just this one guy's, I had a referral. One of my friends said, hey, this guy does this thing that could be helpful. And so I found him, and he was the one that sort of figured out the movement and video piece. And then he passed, and then I made it my own, and then formed cinesomatics itself um going back to a, an earlier thing you said you know obviously some people don't react well do you tell people when they're about to start with you hey you know, sometimes people react really strongly you know even violently to prepare them or you don't say that because it would ruin how they i tell people this is advanced work and it can be very confronting and if they are willing to hear the truth and not be defensive then they'll get a lot out of it but if they want to be defensive and all of this other stuff, you know, they're not going to get much from it. So I don't, I don't presuppose they're going to react bad, but I tell them, I can't promise you what, we don't know what's going to get revealed. You may find out things are great, or you may find out all of the worst things that you never wanted to know. <laughs> but if they're willing to look at it, and if they're willing to look at it and make a new choice, it'll change their life. If they are not willing to see it, and they're defensive and they don't make a new choice, they tend to not come back and their life tends to not change. So, so I don't know, again, without identifying any particular person, like what's an example? Let's say you, um, you know, someone comes to you and you do this work with them and you ask them to show giving and they're like gone from Lord of the Rings and they're snatching something back Processes. instead of giving. <laughs> exactly. You know, what happens then? You review the footage with them. What would you say to someone that does something like that? They had a, what is it, just a little taste of like what the therapy would look like, what you'd say. Yeah, so that example is a classic instance of what I call reverse wiring. It's when giving to the person looks like receiving and receiving giving. A very classic example are we all know somebody who keeps attracting abusive partners. 
over and over again, they attract someone that's not good for them. Why? Well, I don't know all the reasons, but a reason is this reverse wiring. They probably grew up in an abusive home. So to them, abuse feels like home. It feels like love. And love probably feels foreign and uncomfortable and weird. So that person would, in that instance, be reverse wired, where love feels like abuse and abuse feels like love. And that can happen in many things, right? Just like the giving, receiving, or the spending money. If I say, show me making money and you're wasting money, that's completely backward. And so in those instances, to answer your question, in the instance of reverse wiring, what do you think the solution might be? I don't know. I guess if, if you act on on camera, what the proper reaction should be, does that help? Does that translate into the body? Well, almost. The, the thing is, is that I don't tell them how they should do it. The real power comes from them figuring it out themselves. So I'll do guidance. I'll guide them. And the way to do that. So if what if you're getting if you're reverse wired, if A is B and B is A, well, what do you do to fix it? You do the opposite. Right. If up is down and down is up, well, then if you're trying to get up, what do you have to do? You have to go down. If everything's reversed, then you just start doing stuff backwards. You do the opposite. And so what I would say is think about it. All right. So you show giving and you're doing it like Golem and you're bringing it in like preciouses. And if I say, well, do the opposite or do it backwards. Well, what do you start doing? Oftentimes, it kind of looks like giving. You go in the other direction and Almost all of the time that happens, they have an emotional breakthrough. They'll start crying. Something will happen because that was a subconscious block for them. Hmm. And so just through that process, it begins to kind of rewire their nervous system. And so that what they would do, say, oh my God, I'm reverse wired. I just have to start doing this thing backwards. I have to do the opposite of what I think. And then they can literally practice the movement for a few weeks. And that'll help. But then they go and apply it to the real life. Because it's it's applicable. It's practical. This isn't theoretical. So when they go in their life and they think they're giving to somebody, maybe they should try to receive from them. If they think that they're receiving, maybe they need to do the giving thing. In all instances, when they do that, they find out, oh my God, life works so much better when I take the reverse wiring and do it backward. And then what happens is they become properly wired, right? Love, it feels like love and abuse like abuse. And that's much more functional. So I understand the giving on camera. Um, maybe one more example of a very common problem people have. What would that be? Like show love, you know, pretend like you're loving somebody or pretend like you're angry at somebody. Or, you know, what do you ask them to act out that is very, very informative and common? Oh, a really good one is boundaries. This one's very visible. I say, all right, show me having boundaries. And well, if, if, if I just ask you right now, show me having boundaries. What do you do? What's the movement you do? Um, I, I put my hand out, stay there, don't come any closer, that kind of stuff, where I'm picturing a velvet rope, like in a bank, or I'm setting up that kind of stuff and, you know, telling whoever, all right, you know, please stay over there. And this is the, the line not to cross. Again, that's what comes to mind. Great. Well, that's, that's, <laughs> that's actually pretty good. So some people would have nothing. So imagine if I said, show me boundaries and they just looked around. All right. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. If I say, show me boundaries and they create a wall. Well, that's not boundaries. That's a barrier. That's a wall. And I say, all right, show me boundaries. And then they turn around and look the other way, you know, hiding. If I say, show me boundaries and they shrink to the ground and lie on the ground. I mean, people do this stuff. This is what they really think. And those people 
Well, yeah, well, those people struggle with boundaries. Then they'll say, all right, show me enforcing boundaries. Well, someone, you know, the people that just stand there or that start crying or the people that act really limp or all of these things, that tells us they can't enforce boundaries in their life. And Rich, every single instance that happens, guess what? In their life, they struggle with boundaries. All of this stuff translates. Wow, that was really interesting. Really interesting stuff. All right. Well, I guess a few more questions. Uh, how how many sessions do you do with people? And you know, do people notice improvement on the first session? Or sometimes it takes people quite a few. Like, what's the general feel for your practice? Again, great question with unlimited answers. Mm-hmm. I have people come in. What I do is I do two assessments, and then what I find is that. Everybody gets breakthroughs. Everybody has breakthrough awarenesses on the first session. So it does not take a long time to see results and to get value from it. However, depending on the person, how much trauma, how much suppression, how dysfunctional they are will change how much time we have to spend, how resistant they are, right? Somebody like the guy who was angry and wanted to kill me, uh, it took many months to get him to a place where he was no longer defensive. And so sometimes it takes time to just break through to people in order to even start really working on stuff because of those those walls. Other times, I'll have people come in that are very successful. You know, they have businesses. Let's say someone comes in, they have a great business, but they don't have uh, a good relationship. And so they're very functional, but in one area of their life, but they haven't been able to translate it into their love life. And then so we work around those things. So what I tend to find happen is at this point in my career with my practice, right now my private practice is full. I'm, I'm very blessed to have a lot of people to work with. But what I realized early on was that people needed, what happened was that at about three months, if people just stopped at three months, they would, they would take themselves out. They would disappear. I would never see them again. The people that c- committed to six months they continued on to work for a year or two. So so there was something that happens at the three-month mark for a lot of people where we really start getting into the deep stuff. Because if you have a lot of trauma, it just takes time to get to these things. So it, it all depends on the person. I personally like going deep and long because we can build a relationship and we just really accomplish a lot. But I also have people that can come in that are really functional and they just need a couple sessions and then they're off. Right before this call, I worked with a guy and he's, you know, he makes a million dollars a year, a really nice person, has a family. Everything's working great. We had one session and he had I like 30 different breakthroughs and realizations. And he's gonna, he's the kind of person who's going to take that and run with it. He's going to go off in his life and apply all that stuff and actually have breakthroughs today. Other people that are struggling a lot more in their life tend to require more time. Yeah, makes sense. Do you work with a certain type of person or do you ever work with like teens or younger people or it's only adults or, you know, what kind of people do you tend to have in the practice? I work with all ethnicities, cultures. We have people from Nigeria, India, Japan, Switzerland, Canada, US. So I work with people all over all over the world. They have to speak English. I only speak English. Everyone's an adult, so we could do this stuff with kids. I just haven't done that as part of part of my practice. I work with couples, so doing couples work, you know, imagine you have two people and their their marriage is struggling. Uh, they're like, well, he's not giving, he's not receiving, there's no intimacy. You know, in just a session, you can see, oh my God, I'm doing this backwards. Or I thought this meant that, but it really means this. 
And this isn't a boundary. I'm codependent. So couples work is very powerful. Uh, I also go in and do teams. I work with, uh, it tends to be the executives because again, this is advanced work. It's not for beginners. It is not inexpensive. It's for people that are really ready to do some of the highest level work there is. Uh, because as I said before, uh, it can be very confronting. So I tend to work with entrepreneurs, artists, creatives, people that tend to have a mission, a vision. They're they're wanting to do something in the world, in their life. But I've also worked with stay-at-home moms, you know, everybody and, and anybody, like career-wise, age-wise, I've worked with people from pretty much 14 to 80-something and everything in between. The common denominator are, as I said earlier, people who have done a lot of work on themselves and yet still haven't been able to break through. And so however that shows up in their life, that's who I work with. Okay. Well, very good. It's been a really interesting call. What's the best place for people to go to, you know, get on a waiting list to find out more about the Cinesomatics? Uh, where can they go? The best place is my website, andrewdaniel.org. Cinesomatics, we also have the website, which is C-I-N-E-S-O-M-A-T-I-C-S dot org, Cinesomatics. But you can access both of those just from andrewdaniel.org. Okay. Well, very good. Well, Andrew, thank you again so much for coming on the podcast. It's been a really interesting call. Appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. And thanks for the the, the really good questions. I, I really appreciate your, your own curiosity in sharing those examples. It was really fun. Thank you. Remember, before you go, check out cbdfx.com for the best in organic, all-natural CBD products, both for you and your pets. Boost your wellness today and get 25% off your first order, plus get a free CBD bath bomb when you use code GENIUS at checkout. That's code G-E-N-I-U-S. Don't miss this special 25% off offer for Finding Genius listeners only at CBDFX.com. Offer expires August 31st, 2023. Feel the difference with CBDFX. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.